and welcome to the Dot Ball Cricket Podcast, where we look at predominantly South African cricket, but also the international game, uh, what's going on locally here in South Africa, and of course how the Proteas are doing uh, around the world at the moment. And uh, it's a great pleasure once again to have w- with us our two former international cricketers in Paul Harris and John Kent. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kent. Yeah, and uh, I guess a good week for South African cricket with uh, a pretty wonderful achievement by the Proteas, winning both the Test Series and the T20 Series uh, in the West Indies. Uh, Paul, just your uh, your view on the uh, T20 Series. Were you, were you surprised that we ended up victorious there? I suppose I'm going to have to say yes, but then in a way uh, sort of not. I think, um, you know... Uh, we've always we've, we've good cricketers in the country, but I suppose in a T20 series with superstars, um, I suppose you've got to say that it was surprising. I mean, they had to be favourites uh, with all those things in their favour, and uh, you know it was a brilliant effort by the guys. Um, you know, there's still quite a bit on. We're relying too heavily on Quinton de Kock at the moment. Um, you know, nice to see the likes of Adam Markram coming through and getting a bigger score in that last game. And effectively winning us a game, and and then obviously um, for me, um, and I'm sure John, uh, very happy that our um, our spinners have done so well. Um, Shamo has been absolutely mm. incredible. Um, you know, deserved that number one ranking in the world, and I'm sure that a gazillion dollar payment is not far off for him. <laughs> uh, and also, so, you know, our left arm spinners, uh, you know, in total, uh, you know, in the Test series, and then George Linder bowling so beautifully in the. Um, in the in the T20 series, um, you know, I spoke to him. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think guys realise how hard as well he's worked on his on his game the last little while. George Linder, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. He's a, a really really hard worker. Um, you know, he thinks about the game a lot. You know, he eats, sleeps, and breathes cricket. And to, for a guy like that to do so well, I'm, I'm really really happy for him. Yeah, John, uh, just your uh, <clears throat> impressions uh, of the T20 series. I think yeah, like like Paul said, uh, Quinny is we heavily reliable, reliant sorry on him uh, performing and going at the rate of knots that he normally does. But if he doesn't come off in some of these games, we we are quite behind the eight ball, and it was really good to see. Obviously, Reza started the series pretty well and sort of fell away a little bit towards the end. That made them try out a different opening pair where Bavuma went up at the top, and nice to see Markram as well. Brilliant that is he's. You know, taking the grip of his opportunities and, and putting in a match-winning performance. As we know, he's always been capable of it, and hopefully this continues. Um, the middle order, um, obviously there's a couple of areas we'd, we'd like to have been a bit better, probably in, in the finishing department in particular. Um, like likes of Miller, Van der Dussen, Linda, those guys. They obviously gave Mulder a bit of a go as well in, in the last game, which he did really well, which was great to see. So the guys who came in really did a great job. Uh, Markram, Mulder, uh, Bjorn Fortain, unfortunately, he just got one over in the whole series up front. Um, but like Paul said, I was so impressed by Shamsi. He just keeps enhancing his reputation. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see, obviously, in that, that middle order, if we can try and find our finishes to, to come into some form as well. Obviously, the Millers, Van der Dussen, Linders, Mulder, those sort of guys, we're going we're gonna to need those guys at the big tournament, I think. But uh, in terms of the bowling side of things, with the fast bowlers, I think we were a little bit surprised that sort of Rabada and Gidi going for so many, I suppose, at different times, uh, particularly at the end of the innings. Uh, Norkia took a blow to the knee. I think he should be okay. 
Um, but he was he was he was pretty decent. But obviously our spin pairing was was outstanding and really gave us a great chance to win the series, which we ended up doing. Yeah, I think what I liked uh, so much about the series win was that. Uh, we, we've really seen the sort of rise of analysts in T20 cricket, and they keep telling us that whichever team hits the most sixes uh, will definitely win the match. Um, uh, but it's not the case. Um, you know, the West Indies, I think, were guilty of a, a kind of all or nothing approach where they were too reliant on just hitting sixes, um, but there wasn't much in between, in between those things. And uh, I think st- they still don't play spin very well, do they? Well, yeah, they, 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 they're pretty good hitting sixes, but that's about where it ends. Um, yeah, they, I don't think they played very smart cricket. I think that the you know, South African team played much smarter cricket, and that's sort of credit to Timber and to and to Bart for getting the, getting it right, realizing that up front you can go, um, and uh, you, can, you know we always see the power plays uh, in the in the series were quite high, mm-hmm. and sort of when the spinners came on, it was pretty difficult to to mm-hmm. score, especially boundaries. So there yeah. it was sort of not ones and twos and, you know, using a different skill, which I don't think a lot of the West Indian players have, or maybe they do have it, they just didn't show us that they have it. Um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to be smart. I mean, you've got to understand that, uh, you know, Shamsi was the danger bowler. You know, if he goes none for 24 and he's four, you've done a job. Uh, you know, you yeah. don't want him wickets. That's, uh, you know, that's what you've got to look at. Um, he, said he was our danger bowler, whereas at the back of the innings, you know, you could, Pollard showed that if you're there at the end, then you can, uh, you know, you can hurt the seamers. So yeah, I probably was a bit of you know, maybe it is a bit of a skill that is lacking in their side, and maybe also a, a bit of game plan as well. Yeah, I think uh, while obviously delighted uh, that South Africa won the series, which I don't think too many of us expected them to do, um, I do still think though that there there are a lot of question marks uh, ahead of the the T Twenty World Cup. Uh, in terms of the pace bowling, um, I, I was impressed with the way. They kind of learned from the first game, where thereafter they went a lot fuller um, and generally bowled a lot better. But then at the death, um, once again, I, I think especially, and you mentioned that that Pollard innings, Paul, um, once they were put under pressure, then suddenly it seemed to all unravel a bit. Uh, Rabada and Ngidi, uh, in particular at the death, weren't great. No, look, I think in that particular game they weren't. Uh, at all, but I mean that's going to happen in twenty cricket. You're going to have sort of brain bowl. Everything you do, you can sort of you know tend to get dispatched off the ground. They didn't bowl the right areas in the spot. And if you do that to a guy of Pollard's uh, capabilities at the end, you're going to get hurt. I don't think we are the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that there's a lot of work still to be done. Um, I'm not so worried about our bowling. Our bowling is. Um, I think the uh, the big issue is, you know, we need a couple more batters in form. I'd like to see a guy like Fuff come back into the mix, give us a bit of uh, experience um, in that middle order. Um, and then we need, uh, um, you know, as John rightly mentioned, we need to decide who our finishers are. I still think it is David Miller. I think he is our guy. Um, and then, you know, we need, we need another. You know, you can't just rely on one guy to finish the innings for you. Um, I'd like to know, I mean, sort of, is Chris Morris completely out of the picture? Uh, if so, then that's fine. We can move on. If not, he needs to sort of play pretty soon um, to get some game time. Uh, you know, who, who is that guy? You know, um, I suppose you, you, you look at uh, the, the, the spinning all-rounder, Linda. Um, you know, is he, is he a more up-the-order guy? Can he smack it at the back end of the innings? 
So there are quite a few questions to be asked. But then having said that, you know, you need your top four or five to be your guys to get, you know, sort of 85 to 90% of the runs. Um, and unfortunately, I think at the moment, we're relying too heavily on one or two guys. But having said that, this will give yeah. them some confidence. I mean, because these guys must be, uh, you know, must be over the moon with this result. Yeah, to, to, to not play that well, to have an unsettled team um, and still pull off that result, uh, absolutely, that will boost their confidence a lot. I, um, uh, George Linder, you mentioned, uh, I mean, I've seen the guy domestically. He can certainly clear the boundary um, in, the, in the closing overs. Just hasn't quite shown it uh, at international level yet. So I'm still worried about the last five overs batting and bowling. Uh, John Kent, are there... Are there people elsewhere in our game who you believe can do those jobs or, or the personnel that the Proteas have got at the moment, are those the best guys? Yeah, domestically, I know it's, it's pretty tough to say at the moment. There are a lot of youngsters around and there are a couple of more experienced guys. I suppose a guy like Pat van Billion, he was recently in the squad as that type of player, I would say, as, as a type of finisher. But like, like Paul says, we've got to really try and get to the bottom of... of What's Fluff doing? Does he want to be there? You know, is it financial? I don't know what these these chats are they have between the guys, between uh, Morris, Faf, those sort of guys. But we we need them in this team. And if we have these guys in this team, for instance, if you if you want to swap out, say, an Angidi as an example, you have Morris comes in. So you've got Rabada, Morris, Nokia. You know, those are your three. And and Morris can bat better than any of those three. We know that he bats better than most at the back end. So I'm just saying it gives a, a more batting depth to that finishing option that we've been so desperately looking for. So a guy like a Miller, Linda, Morris, those guys, if they come in with five to go, you know, it's okay. We might have lost a few early wickets, but we got some real good finishes there. I think that can that can get us over the line. So I, I think we've got the guys. Maybe they, maybe Miller was a, a touch out of form possibly for on this trip, but we know he's class and... I wouldn't even be, you know, against getting him maybe slightly higher up in the order. I don't know what the rest of the guys, you know, what you guys think, but I, I, I wouldn't be scared to put a, put a middle at four even, to be honest. Um, give him a bit of time at the crease, and we know he can hurt the guys at the back end. But, yeah, just uh, just throwing it out there. Yeah, I wanted to chat about the uh, the top four because I think the South African batting is a bit top-heavy. Um, there are kind of too many options we're trying to squeeze into – the top four, and, and they seem to me to be similar sort of players. Yeah, you know, look, I think, look, I mean, I know what my, I'm sort of, what my idea of what mine would be, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I agree. I think on this trip also, I think we missed that one experience better. Um, you know, if, if, if you can, if you can have a, a sort of, uh, you know, you, you got obviously Quinny at the top. I mean, I opened with Temba. I think that's the only place he can bat. Um, he's mm-hmm. opened the bat. I think he needs to open the batting. Uh, with the field up, he can clear the inner in a circle a bit better. And then, you know, I would look at sort of a, a, a Fuff, a Markram, and um, and a Miller. That's your top five. And if you need to play an extra batter, then you play Rassi at six. So that's my sort of... Uh, and then you've got a really good top five. I mean, you know, if you've got those, mm. then it all of a sudden looks a lot more stable. Uh, you know, when you've got... As soon as you throw a Fuff in a three, Markram in a four, whichever way around you want to do that, and then, you know, Davy Miller at five and, and, and Rassi at six... That gives you a really strong nucleus uh, to, to to work from, and it doesn't look like there's any sort of bit parts trying to shove Oaks in there. Um, I think that's our strongest top six. Yeah, Paul, I remember on our previous podcast you were, were quite adamant that you believed Bavuma should open, um, and it was interesting. He opened in the last T20, and afterwards he did say that in future 
he felt that's where um, he should be playing. Uh, just interesting, the, the top six you've given us there. So Markram would be your sixth bowler then. Yes, you'd, you'd, he'd act as my sixth bowler. Um, and uh, yeah, he'd, he'd be my, he'd be, he, especially if you're playing, uh, you know, now I think it's in the UAE. Um, you know, it'll, it'll, it, the wickets might be quite similar to what we had in the, in the West Indies. And it looks like spin is the way forward. Um, you know, I think that you know, if, and I loved what uh, what uh, John said there. I mean, it also looks really strong if you have uh, you know if you have a, a, a Rabada, an Okia, and uh, and a Morris. I mean, for example, it just it just shows you there's a bit more experience. And you haven't Gidi there. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to play. Um, you know, you might want to play the extra seam, and then he, and then he, and then he starts in. Um, you know, you might not necessarily need two spinners in a certain game. Although I think you probably would playing in subcontinental conditions, but if you don't, then you've got that option. Um, and you don't have that, uh, you know, that re- over-reliance on, um, on, 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 uh, on engage ball. He's for every time. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit in this series, but we know how good he's been in this format of the game. He's been brilliant. And there are going to be times as a seamer, you know, in T20 cricket, where you're going to go. Uh, it just is what it is. You know, there's yeah. going to be a games. What I'd like to see is us more, more consistent. We play one good game, then one game where we're not so good. Then we play one game, not so good. You've got to get to a stage where you win three or four in a row to be able to win a World Cup. Yeah. yeah. John, you, you like that uh, top six that uh, Paul suggested? Yeah, I think so. I think um, the nice part is if you have like a, a Faf, a Rassi, um, I'm trying to think of the other right, a Markram, they, obviously there are quite a few right-handers there. I suppose, you know, that most coaches these days are saying they need, they might have, Quinny's obviously a left-hander, he's big for us. But if, if you're three, four, five, and there's no real left-hander there, they might get left-arm spinners darting them in at the right-hand batters just as a as a option and as a game plan. But it's a, I think it's nice to have the Miller in there to break up a few of those right-handers in that top to middle order. And I, and I like that that batting order Harrow's got there. Yeah, I must say, I think Miller is still uh, the best kind of finisher that we have uh, available to us and, and very true about the left-hand, right-hand combinations. And I think Miller can float. I mean, he's he showed it before. He's experienced enough. So uh, moving on now, guys, uh, into the coming week, and the Proteas have arrived in Ireland, uh, of all places, I guess, for three ODIs, which start on Sunday, uh, and then three T20s after that. Um, either of you play any cricket in Ireland? No. <laughs> Fresh open this week with the golf, and it was the weather wasn't too spectacular, so I hope for that. <laughs> uh, but I haven't, uh, I didn't play much or any cricket at all in Ireland. But I would, uh, I'd love to. Well, not, not play cricket. I'd like to go there, not play cricket. Let me get that. <laughs> well, well, I think most of the games I've I've sort of followed concerning Ireland, you don't play that much cricket. It does, as you say, it always seems to be raining. Um, interesting though, uh, the coach of Ireland is Graham Ford. Uh, I had the. Great privilege of being coached by Fordy at uh, university. John Kent, you would have uh, spent a lot of time in change rooms with Graham Ford. Uh, just tell us about the man and, and his coaching. Yeah, he's, uh, he was a guy who sort of worked with me when I was about 15, 16, through to about 22, um, from schoolboy stuff. Uh, and that is obviously a wonderful coach, young players. He works expertly with them, I must say. He really gets the young guys in a good space. And I, I saw obviously two different sides where I was in my start of my career, I dealt with them. And then obviously towards the end of my career, he came back into the side and, and tried to rebuild the Dolphins at that stage. Um, and yeah, obviously it's, it's, it's different dynamics. And I think he, he is excellent with young 
players in particular where he he just gets them under his wing and he really gets their confidence going and, and, and tries to take the game to another level. So he really gels well with those guys. And he's had a good long spell at Ireland um, since he finished with Sri Lanka, I think it was, or, or county side. But he's had, yeah, he's had a really good long stint with them. And they, they've got a, always got pretty good depth in, in Ireland there. They've got have a couple of guys that have just retired of late, uh, the captain being one of them. So, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's had a good spell there. And obviously they've got you know, goals of their own to play for here going forward. Yeah, uh, just from the South African point of view, the last time the Proteus played ODI cricket was in April uh, when they lost 2-1 to Pakistan, losing the decider. Uh, of course, that was the match where uh, all our IPL players uh, were missing. Um, pretty much the same squad for the ODIs as we've just had for the T20s in the West Indies. Uh, Dwayne Pretorius, unfortunately... Well, I think it's unfortunate, is uh, still not available. And uh, so Vian Mulder and Buren Hendricks are, are in Ireland. Uh, the one notable addition to the ODR squad, I guess, Paul Harris, is Keshav Maharaj. Yeah, yeah sort of uh, giving him a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a break. I'm not sure exactly how that's working. Well, quite a bit of overs in the, in the test series. Um, so it could be that. Um, a strange one, because I think if you're looking to certainly take him to the World Cup, I would imagine they are looking to do that. Um, you know, being a um, you want to give one or two games. So I'm not sure why that is the case, but it is. Um, and, you know, you'll be very careful playing against side like Ireland. You know, you don't want to sort of get there, be complacent, uh, and, you, know, you know, not uh, sort of train as well as you can because it's just Ireland and uh, they can certainly frighten you. Uh, they've got some good players. Some guys that play county cricket in their sides that are that are, that are, that are sort of seasoned veterans, although they have lost one or two uh, in the last little while. Um, you've got to be, sort of treat them with respect and, and understand that they're they're actually a good unit, especially you know when you get to the T20 stuff. Uh, you know they uh, you know you only need one or two guys to put in a match-winning performance, and you can uh, and you can look pretty silly. So I think we need to take this. Uh, I think maybe give a few of our other guys a bit of a go, see what else we've got um, in that squad. Um, I agree. I th- agree. I think Pretorius is a He's a really good cricketer. It's a pity he's not there. Uh, let's hope he's feeling uh, feeling much better and it's not too serious. Uh, but in general, I think we should obviously we know we should go there and, and really uh, give them give them a bit of a clap. And, and hopefully that's what we go out there go out there and do with trying a few other you know sort of options and permutations that might we might take into the World Cup. The one thing I think uh, will be interesting is is how the Proteas adapt because I'm I'm pretty sure the pitches in Ireland aren't going to be dry and slow, um, they're going to be quite green and seeming, aren't they, John? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think they, you know, it's like over there during a during an English summer, it's all up and down and can have a cracking day and the next day, 10 and pouring with rain. So it, it varies quite a bit. So we've got experience in our, in our squad to adapt to the differing conditions. But yeah, totally agree with you. Early on, there might be a bit of movement, a bit of sea movement, but thereafter, um, you know, we should look to obviously dominate with the bat, uh, put them under some pressure as a unit. And what's good here is that all of our, all of our boys that are fringe players or didn't get a bit of game time now, they're, they're very hungry because they want to be there. They want to be there come October time and, and get into that World Cup squad. So it's excellent that when guards are coming in, we saw Mulder, we saw Markram now, um, they're coming in and they're really showing their hunger and they're performing straight away. It doesn't take them two, three games to sort of, get into a series we want our guys to hit the hit the ground running which is great to see Paul just finally do, do you feel that um, 
it, it was obviously in the West Indies that they really, really wanted to win that series and important for the side, I guess, to, to win a series away from home and, and the first T20 series win under Mark Boucher. But do you feel that we should be rotating players a bit more, giving the guys on the fringes a bit more opportunity? I, I think no. guys like Lazard Williams, uh, Buren Hendricks maybe. No, I don't. Um, I'm of the opinion that uh, you play your best team as often as you can. Um, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of this uh, uh, rotational policies that teams are using these days. Um, I see the, the English are going to have to go to the Ashes with 104 players. The way they are <laughs> they're rotating. Um, I don't believe in having out caps just, for, just to see what someone can do. Um, I'm not saying that that's why the guys are in the squad, or I'm saying that you play your best team that is available to you within reason. Um, I do understand that you know the, 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 the pressure on a guy like Robada on his body might be taking its toll a little bit, so you'd want to give him a rest. I've got no problem with that. He played all the test matches, he played all the T20 games. So, you know, I have no problem with a game here or there. But as a whole, I don't care who you're playing against. I like the best activity that we have at our, that is available to play. Um, you know, we, that's what we're going to have in the World Cup. You know, in the World Cups, you don't change teams. Uh, too often, unless the, unless the conditions uh, um, take that, um, you generally play out of the sort of, you know, out of the 11, you've got the same 9, let's say, or the same 10 for most of the games. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I understand that guys are uh, uh, issues with, uh, you know, sort of being in, in, in bubbles and being away from their family, and I get that. That is, that, that is tough. But they are there. They are in Ireland. So if you've got the best players, they play them. Hmm. And lastly, from you, John, it seems a bit strange with all the focus on T20 cricket at the moment uh, to be playing ODIs. Um, is, it, is it possible, you think, for guys to kind of work on their T20 game in, ODIs, in ODI cricket? Do, do ODIs still have value when you're so busy preparing for T20? I think so, because there's been some guys that have done fairly well in that Format like a like a Milana's done okay in those ODRs so far, but obviously there's T20s and and he's not really getting a start at the moment. But I think even for the the, the regular players like the Millers, for instance, Van der Dusen, uh, Markrams, De Cox, all those all those main batsmen that we want to be in form. This is a great time for them to get into some form, get our time in the middle competitively. Um, not be in the nets, not sitting in a hotel or whatever, quarantining and all that. But, you know, they can spend time in the middle. Competitively, there's, like you say, there's plenty of ODIs, plenty of T20s coming up. More competitive cricket is what we need right now. You know, I think, you know, the most cricket, the more cricket we play right now, the better for all those players to, to get some form and obviously maintain that form over the next few months, which is going to be very important. We can't really have guys who are undercooked who haven't had time out in the middle going into a into that World Cup time. Yeah, spot on. Uh, let's hope the weather plays along in Ireland. And, uh, of course, just remembering what a what a disappointment last year was with, with so little cricket played. So it's just going to be fantastic to see the pro tiers uh, on a bit of an up. And uh, let's hope that they can do the business in Ireland as well. So thank you for listening once again to another episode of the Dotball Podcast. Don't forget that you can subscribe to us. And uh, if you'd like to contact the Dotball Podcast, then just drop me a, lo- a note on Twitter, at uh, Ken Borland. Until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.